You're listening to The Movement Podcast on the JRB Studios Podcast Network. The Movement is a student ministry at Northvale Baptist Church in Harrison, Arkansas, where we strive to live a Bible-fed, Spirit-led lifestyle. Today's episode is brought to you by Hopeful Grounds Coffee Company. Hopeful Grounds, a little hope in every cup. For more info, head to hopefulgroundscoffee.com. Now, let's get to the show. everybody we are back uh we are back in the studio today with matt um oh by the way this is josh uh you probably knew that though this is another episode of the movement podcast and this is a good one i've got um bible college graduate soon to be seminary graduate um what is your actual title at your church i know you're a pastor but yeah so my official title um like in a business meeting on the the forums or whatever, would be associate pastor of youth and young family ministry. Uh, in function, I'm just the associate pastor yeah. of the church. Yeah. So we've got uh, Bible college under the belt, seminary soon to be under the belt, and you've got several years of experience in ministry, uh, and you're only 30, 29? Turned 29 last week, yeah. Only 29. He's my brother, and I knew that, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> only 29. You've got several years of ministry under your belt. you got a lot of education, uh, but we know your credentials. But today, what we're going to talk about is something that I have struggled with as a 22-year-old uh, in ministry, is um, persevering in ministry, specifically as a young minister, because both of us are young ministers so that's kind of where the conversation is going to go today. I've got a list of things here that we're just going to dive right into. Um, and then, Matt, I'd like you to speak into it because you're older, wiser, more experienced than I am. And then if I have anything to add, then I'll add to it. But basically what we're going to do is I'm going to throw a topic at you and then you're going to throw some Bible knowledge at me. Um, Sounds good. I'll <laughs> do my best. All right. So the first thing that uh, that I have here. Uh, these are things that have kind of helped me in overcoming, um, like trials through ministry as a young minister. So, so number one is, uh, remember that Jesus is worthy. Yeah, I think that's a good one to start with. Um, because the, the reality is like ministry, it doesn't matter your age, but it feels like particularly because we're in the Southern Baptist, um, realm it does feel like for young ministers it it is a little bit tougher you kind of have to you feel like you have to prove yourself a little bit um and the reality is a lot of churches just have like the old guard and you have to deal with um which is neither good nor bad it's just the reality of church life um so remembering often that you know jesus is worth whatever you're going through um, will help you to persevere for sure. Um, because the reality is no, nothing else is. No one else is mm-hmm. worth it. Um, only Jesus is. Um, you know, if you're getting yelled at by deacons in your church because of something you're doing and, and it's not for Jesus, then <laughs> it's not worth taking the abuse. Yeah. You know, like, but the fact that you're, you know, you're doing what you're doing for Jesus it, it makes it worth it. It it doesn't make it easy. It it still sucks, you know, to get... Um, I've never been yelled at by deacons, but I've been told before, like, you know, hey, we don't like what you're doing. We don't think you're doing it the right way. Um, we think you should do it this way, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, yeah, I like that you put this one at number one. I kind of scanned through the, the list really quickly before, <clears throat> before we started, just so that I wasn't just walking in blind. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we like to be a little prepared when we right. come in here. Right, because I have some knowledge, but I don't have blind knowledge. <laughs> so, But yeah, I'd like, like I said, I like that you put this first because, yeah, Jesus is worthy. And if we constantly preach that message to ourselves, um, in a sense, we can encourage ourselves to remember that and say, you know, yeah, it may be difficult. We may have to deal with difficult church members, difficult students, difficult deacons, difficult leadership. Uh, difficult culture um, in the world that we're going to but you know 
the, the person we're doing it for is worth it to the point of death, right? Like, you know, you, we think about, you know, getting yelled at by deacons or, or dealing with difficult students or whatever. And we think of those as trials or things we need to persevere. And the reality is, you know, we haven't read the book of Acts recently <laughs> yeah. and, and yeah. seen how difficult it really was or studied church history and seen, you know, in the first century, how just dangerous it was to be a Christian um, and to be a missionary and to be a pastor. And so uh, Jesus is absolutely worth it. Like I said, it doesn't make anything any easier, um, but it does at least encourage us not to give up. That's good. Yeah, it's good. So the next one kind of plays into that. So number two, um, just moving right along here. Number two is um, know that Jesus understands. And this really comes from the idea of like, kind of like you mentioned, you know, when, when you're doing something and somebody's like, hey, I don't think you should do it that way. Know that like, you know, for me, at least going into ministry, I'm, I'm, I've always kind of been like a fly by the seat of my pants kind of guy, but ministry has kind of turned me away from that because then, you know, you get in those situations where the elders or the leadership of the church is like, Hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, Oh, well, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of winging it. Right. Like you can't wing it in ministry. Yeah. Uh, and so for me, it's always been something that's like everything that I do in my ministry is well thought out and, and prayerfully prepared mm-hmm. uh, and so for me just knowing that that jesus understands where i'm coming from and and like god knows the heart behind it whether other people do or not that mm-hmm. that kind of helps me so hey, would you have anything to add to that yeah just because i i have the opposite opinion uh, that you do not regarding this statement um but in uh the way that i function the way that my mind functions because <laughs> yeah. i'm i'm the opposite i and the furthest thing from fly by the seat of your pants, um, I like to be planned. I have my teaching schedule every Sunday night planned out until the end of December, um, which may not seem like a lot, but it's a lot. It's, you know, yeah, 15, 16 weeks or something like that. So any of my students um, listening, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've got 15 or 16 weeks out, um, planned. I've got, you know, our events planned for the semester and I try to do that every semester. Um, and um, that's just how I am. You know, that's just how I am with, with a lot of things. It's the same, you know, with my blog that I write. I have 53 blogs already lined up. Um, so I just go down the list. I don't, my mind doesn't function in the moment very well. It functions down the road. Um, and the reality is. Well, hold up, hold up. I want to point something out right there because what you just said is kind of profound because like that is the definition of what a leader is. Like leaders live in the future. So. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm going to let you finish, but I just wanted to point that out because mm-hmm. that's, that's really good that yeah. you live down the road. Like you, you focus on the next thing. That's really good. Yeah. And, and it's something that, you know, in my time working with North American mission board in Kansas city, um, and even going through some network training and kind of being on the cusp of planting a church in Kansas city before it, um, it fizzled out a bit and then God moved us in a different direction. Um, it, it taught me, you know, the one biggest thing that I'll take away from all of that experience and uh, all of that time there was that you can't lead people if you don't know where you're going. Um, you know, then it's just like Jesus. Eventually, he tells the Pharisees, you know, it's blind leading the blind. Um, it's a totally different context, but it, it rings true here as well. Like, uh, as a leader whether it's a leader of a, a student ministry or a young adult ministry or a church uh, or a parachurch ministry, you know, like college ministry or whatever. Uh, if you're a leader who doesn't know where you're going, it's very difficult to lead people um, because that's very clear. Now, leading people, knowing where you're going and leading and not planning your teaching schedule are two different things. <laughs> right. uh, I'm not trying to push back and like, subtly say like you're not a good leader josh you're not (laughs) planning your sermons um because those are two different things it's vision and then it's you know preaching schedule you know it's two different things um but the reality that jesus understands is true because whether you are kind of more spontaneous in the way that you do things or um in how you plan them out 
The reality is if you are led by the Holy Spirit to do whatever you do as a minister, young, old, in whatever ministry setting, if you're truly led by the Holy Spirit and guided by Scripture in what you're doing, Jesus understands yeah. that you're doing the right thing, whether the deacons or elders or parents or students, um, whether the flock realizes it or not, Jesus does. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say I, I, I like that statement there. Um, and that's twice you hit the mic, man. I talk with my hands. <laughs> and I'm a small guy and this thing has to be down in front of me. So First time in the studio. So it's, yeah, it's... <laughs> it may, I may hit it a few more times. So we'll just... It's all right. We'll forgive you. Yeah. It's not a loud banging noise though. So it shouldn't be too <laughs> distracting. Um, where's I going with that? I have I I'm sorry I cut you off. I had to make a joke though. You're, That's just who I am. Fine. Fine. <laughs> it is the second time I've hit that, and it's kind of frustrating. <laughs> um, yeah, so I like that statement um, that Jesus understands, but I would say Jesus understands with a caveat of, as long as you're led by the Spirit and guided by Scripture, He understands, um, which is what you're getting at. You're not saying yeah. He understands, so yeah. go lose a bunch of kids. On yeah. The, that's kind of like uh, that's kind of like you know like instagram theology of like uh i love jesus with my whole heart despite what my life looks like it's like well first of all i don't know that anyone loves jesus with their whole heart and if you really love jesus with your whole heart your life wouldn't look the way that it looks yeah you know what i mean uh so it's not like jesus understands in that sense right it's like when i do what god has led me to do right then god knows that you know, that's where my heart's at. So, Mm -hmm. uh, so number three, kind of shifting gears here. Number three is throw off hindrances and sins, which this is one that uh, should be obvious Mm -hmm. to really any, anyone in a leadership position in any kind of church. It should be very obvious of like, you can't, I mean, you should lead with a limp. I believe that you should lead with a limp that you should, um, you should be transparent with your struggles, with your, you know, with your team Uh, And, you know, if specifically in our setting in student ministry, if the situation warrants, then you need to be transparent with a student or multiple students. Right. Like you Mm -hmm. you should never put on a front of like being this perfect person. Uh, But I feel like this one to me means more of like those those things that are just very, very difficult to get past, like just understanding that. God put you where you are in a leadership position and you can't lead effectively if you're still hung up on some kind of, you know, ritualistic sin that you have in your life. Yeah. Yeah. This is an interesting one. My, um, so I bought a, an NIV devotional men's devotional Bible recently because I, I have this mostly hate relationship with a lot of today's devotional books, like specifically devotional (laughs) books. Because they're just so surfacy and cheesy. And I read like one or two days and basically throw them in the trash. Um, it's just not that great. Um, and the reality is it's because there's one verse. It's like, here's one verse. Mm-hmm. And then here's a someone's blog post that doesn't have anything to do with that verse. Now <laughs> yeah. go about your day. Yeah. Um, but the NIV Men's Devotional Bible is very good because it has a chunk of scripture every day. And it started in Genesis. And it works you through the whole Bible through the year. Um and so it has a chunk of scripture and then a relevant devotion about that passage. And then three guided discussion questions or reflection questions after that um, for you to pray through. Uh, and I, I got it a few weeks ago and it's been really, really great. Um, today's devotional was fleeing from lust. So it's the story of Joseph, right? Joseph... Um, is in Potiphar's house. He's managing Potiphar's household, which is very, very different in the ancient world than today. Um, he would be like living with Potiphar, um, literally just running the house so that Potiphar can focus on his, you know, administrative responsibilities in the government and with, um, you know, outside the home. And Joseph is continually day after day, uh, being hit on right by Potiphar's life. Um, and she's like begging him, come to bed with me, come to bed with me. And um, the devotion is, look, how did Joseph continually refuse 
those advances? How did he flee from that? How did he run from that? Uh, when that would have been so easy to just give into it, right? Uh, and, and the reality is, Joseph answers that particular question in his answer um, to Potiphar's wife, and he says, I would be sinning against the Lord. How could I do this thing that would cause me to sin against the Lord? And that's his mindset. And so when he's tempted, when he faces lust, when he knows um, that there is a temptation to sin in front of him, his response, his reflex is, if I do this, I know that God is with me, like physically is what he's feeling like God is with me, he's present with me. <laughs> if I did this thing, would it offend God who's right here with me? And I think that's the same uh, mindset that, particularly in this culture, in our modern day, with young pastors, um, because there is a a certain platform that we have as young men that are leaders um, that have the spotlight on us. Um, there is just this level of exposure and attraction that can happen. Doesn't always, but can happen. And so our mindset has to be the same as Joseph's all the time. Uh, we have to always say, Look, the Holy Spirit is living inside of me. Jesus is present with me right now. Is what I'm about to do, would that, <clears throat> would that offend him? Would that, um, you know, would I, would I do that if he was physically here? Because the answer is no, I wouldn't. Right? Mm -hmm. um, but we have to have that mindset, just like Joseph did. And that caused him to flee. Um, so when we're talking about, you know, yeah, as, as a young pastor... You have to shake off any hindrance. You have to get rid of any lingering sin. Um, you have to live a holy life, right? Mm -hmm. You do that by understanding, number one, and number two, yeah. <laughs> that we've already talked about, and then also saying, look, I'm not going to do that because I'm not doing a bad thing that's going to hurt me. It could and probably will, but ultimately I'm offending Jesus, Um and if I have a high value of Jesus, then I'm not going to do it. Yeah. If you right. understand, number one, that like it, if you understand that Jesus is the reason that you're doing this, then you understand right. that, you know, you're not you're not going to be put in a position that would offend that person. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, too, like. Even with habitual sin, that's just incredibly difficult to shake. Right. So like the one that for student pastors anyway, that we always talk about as pornography just because it's it's an addiction and it literally changes the way your brain works. Yeah. Um, neurologically. It's not like a, anything else. It, it literally changes the way your brain functions. And it's not like just a simple, like, well, think about Jesus and you'll stop. It's, it, if you tell that to a teenage boy, they're just going to say, no, that's not the case mm -hmm. that's just not how it works like in this moment i cannot say no um and i understand that because i was there at, when i was that age right so it's <laughs> yeah. like that's yeah. i'm not immune to that either so um i understand that's not just how it works you know in that moment you don't just say well i'm sorry jesus be with me and mm -hmm. then you're just like you know cut all ties and run away uh, it's not that easy um but the reality is we have to understand that Jesus is worth it and really believe that, you know, because that's going to make us not desire those things. And, and here's the thing, too, is, you know, your sin is never satisfying. We all know that. Mm -hmm. Like, we all know that, you know, that moment of ecstasy or whatever um, that you're chasing with whatever sin it is, you know. It, uh, it leaves you unfulfilled, it leaves you unsatisfied, uh, it leaves you like yearning and begging for more, which is not a good feeling. Yeah. And it's, it just, and just creates guilt and shame in you if mm -hmm. you're a follower of Christ. So it's like, we, you know that the end result is not a good one. And I think that has to be a part of your daily mindset when attacking sin is to say, look, I know the end result, and it's not a good one. It's not one that I want to feel. 
um, and that will help us to get some perspective on on our sin and battling that sin. That's good. So one thing that I heard that uh, has kind of helped me with this is um, from uh, a pastor uh, that most people have probably heard of him. His name's Jonathan Pacluda. He's a pastor at Harris Creek in uh, Waco, Texas. Uh, shout out JP. Um, he said, "Shout out for Texas." <laughs> shout out uh, Baylor. Giga <laughs> uh, uh, Maggies. Oh please. Um, <laughs> anyway, JP, um, I heard him say once that like you know the way that Jesus combated temptation was by quoting scripture. So mm-hmm. why in the world yep. would we not do the same? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really stuck with me and really kind of spurred me on to memorize scripture because yeah. like I spent a lot of time alone and spending a lot of time alone is not something that's very healthy for people. Right. And so when those like, you know, when those thoughts come into my head, when I spend a lot of time by myself, I just have to like start preaching to myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, it, it's, I wish that I could, you know, sit here and say into this microphone that like, yes, I'm a preacher and I never struggle with sin, but that's just not true. Right. Right. Like and I know it's never going to be true. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I know that, I know that a lot of people like to think that about their pastors and preachers, but I can personally guarantee you, I know men who have been in this service for over 30 years that still struggle with sin. Mm-hmm. It's just something that is a part of your life. But mm-hmm. To me, the most effective way to combat those temptations for those habitual sins is just to preach to yourself every day. Yeah. So, all right. So number four, moving on number four, uh, this one kind of shifts gears again. This one focuses more on um, like your leadership team. And uh, it's really just this idea of sticking together Mm -hmm. of like, you know, not, not trying to combat with your team and not cause turmoil within your team. Like, um, I know for me, like I have, uh, let's see, I should know this cause I'm the head of the team. <laughs> I have, uh, six members on my team. I mean, typically most youth pastors are going to have a larger team, but we are, you know, medium sized church. So I've got, I've got six volunteers on my team and really it's just this idea of like, they're on my side, right? Like they want to see the same thing that I want to see. And so, um, for me, it's really been a matter of communication with those six people of like, Hey, this is what we're doing on this day. This is what I'm teaching. Would you be prepared to like, you know, speak with a student on this topic after service or, you know, just sticking together as a team and communicating well and uh, understanding that the people on your team are not against you. They ultimately want the same thing that you do. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's a good point. Um, and, and it is interesting. We want to kind of qualify this point a little bit. Uh, the sticking together is not in defense or to combat people who oppose you. Um, the sticking together is to work together as a team to accomplish a mission, mm-hmm. right? So a few weeks ago, I had a parent meeting after service, and I just gave them, you know, their folder with uh, for the semester, right? Teaching schedule, event schedule, permission forms for this year, all that stuff. Um, but at the front of it, I, I added a document that I call just the vision frame, which is a, a NAM, North American Mission Board term, um, they use in SIN Network training for church planters. They have church planter build a vision frame for uh, their future church or potential church. Um, it has values, mission statement, strategies on how to accomplish that mission statement based on the values, and then measures of how to check yourself, see how you're doing, um, which all then, inf- those are the four sides of the frame that then uh, propel the middle of the frame, which is the vision proper, which are largely just tangible goals that you can achieve based on all this information, right? So I present that to... um, You did it again. I did, yeah. (laughs) So I presented that to um, our parents and had presented it to our our student ministry team uh, a few weeks prior to that. And the reason for doing that is to create unity, is to give us a purpose, right? And so we're not haphazardly saying on Sunday mornings and Sunday school and Sunday nights when we have our student ministry gathering, 
are we just doing things to fill time Mm -hmm. and are we just doing things to be doing things and to keep the kids busy instead of doing you know a number of other things or is there a purpose for what we're doing Uh, and i won't share the whole vision frame with you because really it's not relevant i'd like you to share your mission statement but you can finish i'd like you to share your mission statement with us though uh yeah because i've got mine pulled up here and i think we had a meeting a couple weeks ago and this is kind of off topic but i think that our mission statement for um the movement ministries (laughs) i think it's pretty good i mean obviously i wouldn't have you know approved it if i didn't think it was pretty good right uh but um, but I want to hear yours. I know this is kind of mm-hmm. off topic, uh, so we can even do this after the podcast if you want to, or we can do it now. I don't care. We can do it now. But uh, so here's the thing: I, um, I I keep plugging Nam and some network training because that's where I've spent the last two and a half years of my life, and uh, and I think I really, yeah. So send network, send North America, plant churches in North America, people. Um, that's i'll just keep plugging it um shout out nam yep awesome organization they're doing amazing things uh, all across north america but their thing is like be memorable like be memorable be concise um do things that people can easily remember because if you're long if you're confusing if you're churchy you know, all of those types of things, um, it's difficult for people to know what you're about. So our, all that to say, like, that informed how I did this vision frame. So our mission statement, uh, which a mission statement is just, why do you exist? Right? What's your purpose? Why do you exist? So our mission statement answers this question. We exist to dot, dot, dot. We exist to be a refuge for students transformed by the gospel, growing and going in faith. So we want... I'll break that down really quick. So our student ministry is called The Rock, right? That's the name that was given to the the room, the area. So we've just played off of that and called The Rock Student Ministry. So being a rock, we want to be a refuge, right? Strong place um, that students can come to. But we want to be that refuge for students that are being transformed by the gospel. That's that we want their lives to be transformed by the preaching of the gospel and the hearing of the gospel, the accepting of the gospel. But we also want to be a place where they can grow in their faith and then be sent out and go to share their faith. That's good. So we exist to be a refuge for students transformed by the gospel, growing and going in faith. Um, and that statement informs everything we do. You know, students and parents, and sometimes people will ask me, like, well, what are we doing tonight for youth group? And I say the same things every night. We're going to study the Bible, and then we'll spend time in fellowship mm-hmm. because that's how we grow in faith, and that's how we're encouraged and challenged every week to go in faith, mm-hmm. and that informs everything we do. I'm not a big fan of crazy, loud, pointless activities and events. Those aren't beneficial. Those are just time-consuming. They pull us in different directions. They don't focus on Jesus. They don't focus on the gospel. Um, <clears throat> they're fun. Mm-hmm. They're fun, and they have their place. Um, but regular meeting times is all about fellowship and hearing the gospel, um, hearing the Bible. So that informs everything we do. That's good. So uh, <clears throat> ours, our mission statement is as follows. Uh, United in Christ, we will change the world through the lives of students by being disciples who make dangerous disciples. Uh, and really the idea of it just came from one of our students that's actually one of my leaders in training was at this meeting and he was like well we don't want to just be disciples that make disciples right like we want to be disciples that make dangerous people like we want our students to go to college and be dangerous on that college campus and not in a sense of like you know physically dangerous like we right. want them to be spiritually dangerous For to Jesus. to opposition right yeah and so that's ours is united in christ we will change the world through the lives of students by being disciples who develop dangerous disciples so i like it i thought it was pretty good all right so number four was stick together mm-hmm. number five is um one of my favorites and one of the ones that i struggle with the most ironically uh which is pace yourself hmm. yeah so 
since I struggle with it a lot, I'm going to let you speak into this <laughs> and uh, <laughs> kind of run this one because this one for me is difficult because like if I open up my Google calendar, there's something, there's like at least two things on every week. Uh, and that's not including my Wednesday night service and my Sunday service. There's always mm-hmm. like, you know, going to a student's sporting event or um, having a small group night or having a youth hangout day on a Sunday afternoon or, you know, recording a podcast like this. Like I've, I've always got something going on. Uh, and so pacing myself is kind of been the hardest thing for me to do in ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the this is the the best advice I can give anyone younger than me, um, which, like I said, I'm, I'm 29, so it's not like I'm an old soul or an old experienced like guru passing down <laughs> wisdom, right? Um, but anyone, the, the best advice that I would give you is learn to say no with oh, with yes. grace and with love, uh, but learn to say no. And here's why. Um. That's a biggie. It, it's huge. And here, here's why. Like, specifically for my position, um, but for a lot of ministry positions, but in my position, I'm full-time at the church, um, which is a huge blessing, and I'm very, very thankful for um, my office hours that I have to get everything done that I need to and also um, have time to work on schoolwork uh, in my office and not have to take time out of family time or, or you know, rest time or whatever to also complete my full-time master's level schoolwork. So uh, I'm very, very thankful for it. But in my position, even though my primary roles are student ministry, young adult, and young family ministry, so basically everyone under the age of 35, um, well, between 18 and 35, fits into that category. Um, There's just a lot of responsibilities, Mm -hmm. and there's always something that someone in the church thinks you should be doing. Oh, yeah. You know, whether it's, you know, because I'm the same way. You know, we have two meetings on Sundays for our students, um, typically staff meeting on Monday. Our young adult Bible study that we host in our home on Wednesday nights, um, you know, that various other things, sports are starting up, so we'll be attending sporting events there's always going to be some kind of event, maybe one a month for our student ministry. That's part of the calendar. Um, you know, being student and young adult pastor, but really functioning day to day as an associate pastor, true associate pastor. Uh, there's administrative stuff that is just on my plate a lot. Um, there's meetings that I'm going to, whether it's deacon meetings or uh, Sunday school you know, teacher meetings or staff meetings or different things um, that fill up calendar, can fill up the calendar pretty quickly. Um, And then even associational gatherings um, as a full-time staff, some church members expect you to go to those. And just learning to say no to things that are legitimately things that you can say no to. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to tell someone no on a Sunday night to having youth gathering. Right. right? (laughs) Like that's, that's an, that's the one you can't. That'd be one that uh, your church leadership would be like, hey, why'd you do that? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's one that you can't say no to. But for example, recently, um, Kaylee and I had planned a date night on a Thursday night. Well, there's a, a we're part of the West Central Baptist Association in Missouri. And uh, I don't know if that's the exact title, but it's West Central um, Missouri Baptist. And they had an associational meeting in Warrensburg, which is about a half hour, maybe 45 minutes, depending on the traffic um, south of us. And it was on a Thursday night. And so my pastor comes in expecting me to go to this associational meeting. And I just told him, sorry, no, Kaylee and I planned a date night. It's not really relevant to me anyway. Um, If I miss this associational meeting... It's not going to affect any of my ministry areas. And so I didn't go. We had a date night. It was great. Nobody's feelings were hurt over it, right? So learn to say no to things that you can say no to um, with, like I said, with grace, with love, because that will help you to pace yourself and you won't get burnt out. The reality, the sad reality is 
most pastors, I'd say probably 75% or more, don't last five years. Um, sometimes that's five years at a given church before they move to a new church and start over. Sometimes that's five years in ministry, period. Mm-hmm. And then they never, they leave and, and never want to go back. And that's because they've burned themselves out because they never say no. And the church leadership and members are always going to expect everything of you always. And you can't do it all. Right. So it's like you're in your twenties. If you're listening to this, most likely in a leadership capacity of some kind, we're both in our twenties as pastors. We're, just trained by our culture to think we're young, we're vibrant, we have energy, we can do it all, and you can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, know, you can't. Uh, so learn to say no. I think um, this, I think last month, actually, last month marked three years for me serving in uh, student ministry uh, as student pastor. Uh, I served before that under you as student pastor um and i was one of your leaders in training at that point and then when you transitioned to kansas city i kind of filled that role and it's been wonderful Uh, but i think three years was last month and just in those three years man it's been it's been such a difference from like august three years ago to august this year where i'm like the kids are like hey can we go to this event and then do this and then do this and i'm like guys pick one Mm -hmm. whereas three years ago i was like yeah let's do it all i mean like we've got the money in our student budget so i mean Mm -hmm. let's let's go for it and this year i'm like guys pick one i have a one-year-old now right i have a family like i i love you guys more than anything but we gotta we gotta like someone's gotta give somewhere Mm -hmm. yeah and and it's so i had a, a similar situation happen one of my parents so we have a handful of cross-country runners in our youth group. Um, and this parent made it seem like our whole youth group was cross-country runners, which it's just not. we had like three or four out of our 20, 25 kids or whatever. Um, but they, this new movie um, that just came out. The, the Overcomer. Yeah, Overcomer. It's about a cross-country runner, I guess. And this parent reached out to me on Facebook said, Hey, we should get a group together. This was on like a Friday night. Hey, we should get a group together on Sunday, Sunday night when we have our student ministry, like worship gathering and we should go see this movie. And, uh, and I was like, look, we're not going to do that. Um, (laughs) I didn't say it, you know, just boldly up front like that, but that was the gist of what I said. I was like, no, we're not going to do that one. Like, I would hope that you approach it with more grace than, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. It was a little bit more tactful than just, no, that's a dumb idea. Because uh, it's not a dumb idea. I told him, I said, look, if you want to let the kids know that you're going to go to see this movie, and if they want to meet you there and all watch it together, whoever wants to go, absolutely go for it. I'm not going to, first of all, two days before, throw together an event Right. That's going to replace one of our our times of Bible study and fellowship. I'm not going to do that. Second of all, that would be catering to a handful of kids, right? Like four or five maybe. And two of them are his kids. So like that would be catering to a small group of our kids um, because of the subject matter. Now, I, I agree. It's probably a good movie. It has a great message. It's going to preach the gospel in some aspect. So it's, it appeals to the larger group, but it's specifically appealing to a small group. Um, second of all, like that's not something we had planned in our budget. And it's not going to be a large expense, but it's an expense that's going to have to change something else we do that mm-hmm. we have budgeted for. So while I think it's a good idea, I, I don't think that it's something we're going to do. And he may have been upset or offended by that he didn't express that but you know that's just an example of like yeah you do have to pace yourself student ministry is rapidly changing i just saw on instagram today it was a an instagram story of a youth pastor in texas i think it's in austin uh texas talking about how student ministry is changing over the next 10 years 
student ministry is no longer going to be wild, crazy, energetic, light shows, big groups, um, you know, all this crazy, stupid games and events and activities. It's not going to be that. It's going to be smaller. It's going to be intentional communities that are authentic, um, that study the Bible, that train together, that are more real, more biblical, in my opinion. And I absolutely agree with him. And that's the culture I want to create in my student ministry is I don't want the kids to think when I come to The Rock on Sunday nights, it's about games. It's about light shows and videos and about a performance and about big, large groups of people and shallow preaching and and whatever. I want them to come to The Rock and think this is a place where I can get together with other people who love Jesus. I know that I'm going to hear something out of the Bible. I'm going to grow in my faith. And I'm going to be surrounded by people who love me, who care for me, and also want to grow in their faith. Um, That's the culture I want. And throwing together events like, you know, like a movie trip in place of that is not part of our mission. Yeah. And last minute. You know. Yeah. So. I completely understand. All that to make my bigger point is just learn to say no. Because that's part of pacing yourself is if you never say no you may be that statistic that doesn't last five years. Yeah. And that's, mm-hmm. that's sad. Like you, you don't want, I mean, I know for me, just in these three years, it's been, you know, it's been a roller coaster where it's like, you know, uh, I heard a pastor say one time that every preacher wants to resign on Monday, uh, but for student pastors, it's Thursday. Yeah. And I was like, that is so true. Like it's not every Thursday, but there are some Thursdays when I'll wake up on a Thursday morning after a Wednesday night service and just be like, man, Am I, like what am I even doing here? And to that, I mm-hmm. you know, if if you are in any student ministry or any ministry capacity for that matter, and you question like, is what I'm doing making a difference? Don't stew on it. Just ask the people you're serving. Like mm-hmm. for me, I've got one particular student in my group that like, I text them two or three times a week. They're just like, hey, what do you think of this? Or um, or, you know, especially when those thoughts come up of like, why am I doing this? Am I even making a difference? I'll just text that person and be like, Hey, is this, is this important? Like, does this matter? And, and is what I'm doing making a difference? Mm-hmm. And it, it just kind of helps me to understand that like, it's more than just me that's affected if I mm-hmm. choose to leave that position. Yeah. So yeah. one last thing I'll say on this topic is. <clears throat> the reason that one of the first things I did was make this vision frame mm-hmm. is because it's a filter. It, it helps me to do this because if, if an event or an activity or a trip or even a service project um, or a concert or literally anything um, is thrown at me, I can filter it through this this vision frame and say that fits in with our vision and it helps us to accomplish our mission statement or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, then I can say no and be freed up to say, look, this is our mission. Mm -hmm. The mission of our student ministry is to transform students by the gospel so that they grow in their faith and then they go and share that faith. That's good. And if anything any event, any activity doesn't help us accomplish that mission, we have to really consider whether we want to do it or not. That's good. And more often than not, the answer is going to be no. Um, That's really good. So that that would be my plug for, you know, have a, have a mission statement and, you know, make a whole vision frame, but um, have a mission statement because that will help you filter out a lot of those things that you maybe even want to say no to but don't know how to. You can just say, look, it doesn't help us accomplish our mission. It's it's tertiary. It's not vital to what we're about. Mm-hmm. And so you can say no and, in a sense, have ammunition, and it'll help you to pace yourself. That's um, good. And I think that's uh, that's um, applicable not just to, like, student or young adult ministry, but also to, like, our other brother's a worship pastor. Uh, and he struggles with 
this all the time of like, you know, wanting to do these different things, try these different things. And he has people all the time saying like, hey, you should just do this and do this and, you know, yada, 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 uh, which I think worship is more touchy worship pastor. Um, that's probably more touchy than some of the things that we deal with. Uh, I don't know because I've never done it, but mm-hmm. just in speaking with him. But uh, I think it's important to understand your mission and like if if what you are asked to do doesn't align with your mission, then just don't do it. Like right. there's a place for it. Really question whether you should do it. Yeah, like there's um, a place for it, but yeah. the, the place and time is not always here and now. Right. So like I'll give you an example of this. The answer shouldn't always just be no. Like if... If it's specifically for student ministry, there are just going to be things that we do to have fun. Oh, yeah. That we should do. Because being a Christian, being in the fellowship of other believers should be fun. Mm-hmm. It's a supernatural gathering that should be unlike anything else. No sporting event, no concert, no speaker, no movie, no thing would bring together the group of people that Jesus does. It's a supernatural gathering, so it should be unlike anything else, and it should be fun. Mm -hmm. So don't always say no. Like A good example of this, so right off the back of our church, um, well, not right off, there's, you know, we have like a lower parking lot and then um, like a driveway around the back side of the church that goes up to the upper parking lot. Um, And so off of that back driveway is a pretty steep drop off, like it's almost 45 degrees down to like a, a smallish softball field. And, um, there's just like a rope, uh, fence there. It's not like really blocked off or anything. So anytime it snows, um, or really even anytime it rains or just gets slippery, uh, we just have kids like slide down it, (laughs) you know, it's just like, just go jump off the hill. (laughs) <laughs> you know, especially if it snows, like it's perfect for sledding. We invite, you know, we invite other youth groups to come in and it's really a great time. Just awesome. sledding down the hill or using it as a slip and slide or, or whatever. That doesn't transform people by the gospel. It helps us to grow in our faith mm-hmm. um, because we're growing in fellowship with other believers. Um, but on, on the whole, it doesn't accomplish our mission. But I'm not going to say no to that. Yeah, right? absolutely. I'm not. I'm going to say no to that if we're trying to do it five nights a week. But <laughs> yeah. you know, if there's a heavy snow and we want to go slide down the hill on the spur of a moment, that's something I'm going to say yes to because it benefits the group. So there is a kind of a balancing act that you have to do. Um, don't always say no, but say no more than you do now. That's good. All right, so we'll blow through these next two pretty quickly uh, because we're running a bit long and uh, it is pretty late and we got to get up early tomorrow morning. So um, number six, uh, just real quick, uh, because we've already kind of talked about it in the first two, but number six is uh, fix your eyes on Jesus. And it's really just this idea of like not not going into your ministry trying to please anyone else, but Mm -hmm. just trying to please Jesus. And you kind of spoke to that earlier with the throwing off the hindrances and sins of like, Is this something that's going to please Jesus? And that's really where I'm coming from with that is like fix your eyes on Jesus and make sure that whatever you're doing, that if Jesus was standing in front of you and asked you, hey, why are you doing this? You would have an answer that would please him. Yeah, here's here's all I'll say on this topic um, or this number here. um, Because we have kind of touched on this a bit is make the reading of a gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, part of your regular devotion um, in some form because you're reading about the life of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Not a complete life story, but you're reading everything God wanted to reveal and tell us about Jesus. So read a gospel regularly because that's going to help you understand who Jesus is what he cares about and why he was here on earth. And so, you know, we constantly want to be telling students and our church members and whoever's, uh, whoever we're leading to be like Jesus. Well, how do you learn to be like Jesus? You You learn about about Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. So you study his life. You study what he taught, what he valued, um, the things that he did. And um, that will help you. So, 
to fix your eyes on Jesus, just study Jesus. Just study him. Open your Bible. You don't have to, like, always be reading a gospel, but periodically read a gospel. Mm -hmm. And read them differently. Read them in different translations. Um, And take notes. And in different ways. Yeah, so the way I study the Bible most regularly, this is not always because, like, today um, I was here, right? So I'm sitting in mom and dad's living room with my cup of coffee and my Bible um, doing my devotion. Most often the way I study the Bible is by writing it out. Mm-hmm. That's something Ben Stewart, um, another former, well, I'm not a former Aggie, but I'm an Aggie <laughs> you fan. You wish so you were a former Aggie. Hey, you, that's you what take, I tell people. You've done mm-hmm. enough college that you could like just apply at A&M and then just have enough college credits to just get your degree and say that you're a former Aggie. Um, I, so Two weeks ago, I told Kaylee that exact thing. I said, I think I want to get an associate's degree in history from Texas A&M so that I can say I'm a graduate. It'd be so easy for you because you've already got all the credits done. And it would be a lifelong dream um, to (laughs) be an Aggie graduate or to just be an Aggie. Um, But yeah, so Ben Stewart taught me that. Well, he taught taught, one of his disciplines, but he taught everyone that. He he, he said it in a sermon and he was talking about it. about how that's how you know he spends time in the word and slows himself down because reality is you can read a devotion you can read a passage of scripture close your bible leave and it and that's it and it leaves with you yeah right um if you have to write out a passage of scripture even if it's three five verses you have to slow down Mm -hmm. so i most often like to write out the passage i'm reading for the day it doesn't always happen um but it helps me to slow myself down and really meditate as I'm reading and then as I'm writing. Um, But do that with a gospel, and you'll see Jesus in a whole new way. But that's how you'll fix your eyes on Jesus, is by constantly putting him in front of you. That's good. All right, so the last one here um, that we've already kind of touched on as well. But the last thing, the last kind of discipline, if you will, for me, in uh in facing these trials in in ministry and specifically as a young minister as we went over at the beginning is like these are specifically things that that i find helpful as a young minister Uh, and so the final one this is really kind of like the end all be all for me like this is the one that sticks with me the most is uh keep your perspective eternal is that if it doesn't matter in eternity it's not a part of your identity and so if it's not a part of your identity, then don't mess with it. Right. Yeah. And again, you know, there are obviously caveats to that. Like we uh, touched on already of like, you know, if it helps you accomplish your mission, great. You know, but if it's, if it's not of an, of any eternal importance, then it's not of any like importance right now. Mm-hmm. At least that's how. That's kind of how I see it. And obviously, you know, like changing my son's diaper, that doesn't have any eternal importance. But if I don't do it right now, then, you know, bad things can happen to him physically. So obviously there's a line there. But uh, specifically, you know, in ministry, like you said, uh, it's not all about just coming in and playing games. Like our youth group, um, we do play games, but we play games that are um, central to the message that is being shared that night. Like we, we've played a game before called uh, banana operation. That was really fun and really messy, but you have to slice up a banana and then you have to take paper clips and tape and put it back together. And the idea behind the game is that, you know, sometimes your actions and your words can't be taken back once they've, you know, been put forward. Uh, and that was the message of that night. So it was like, you do things, or at least I do, I do the things that I do to fit in with the mission that we have and to make sure that, you know, maybe playing that game, slicing up a banana is more memorable than me standing up and preaching for 45 minutes about, you know, you know, use your words nicely, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like uh, that's probably not exactly how I'd word it if I had more time to articulate thought, but it's part of teaching though. Like this doesn't really have anything to do with this, but since you brought it up, um, in, in teaching, it's, I don't want to say it's about the gimmick that gets them to remember it, but it's about the, the thing that you do that's memorable. So I 
preached on Sunday morning the last two weeks while our senior pastor was on vacation. Uh, and I did a two-part series that's available on our church's website, um, but you know we can link to in the description or, or whatever if you want to check those out. You should check them out. They're pretty good. Um, it was a lot of fun to do them. It was a two-part series called Who is Jesus? Week one, I looked at the genealogy of Jesus, which is an unusual unusual passage to preach. Um, it's a difficult passage to preach. <laughs> it, it's difficult if you don't know where you're going with it, uh, which I did beforehand, so that made it a little easier. <laughs> Uh, and then this last week, I did death, burial, resurrection. Uh, it was essentially just like a a tweaked Easter sermon that mm-hmm. I've given in the past, um, but it you know was relevant. And I used an illustration in the genealogy sermon that this past week people are still saying like, "Man, that changed the way I view this passage." But it also proved the point that. The message of the gospel is who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. It's what he came to do, but first and foremost, it's who he is. Because who he is determines how important what he did was. Yeah, that's where it all starts, too, with Matthew. Right. And so there's a verse in Matthew chapter 1, uh, right after the genealogy. So verse 17, where um, it, it kind of seems like a throwaway verse. Like Matthew just kind of stuck it in there. It's like... Oh, for your information, uh, yeah. there's oh, 14 generations. By the way, here, here, and here, which is like it seems like useless information. It doesn't really make sense, especially once you you if you read through to chapter or to verse 16, skip verse 17, and then read straight from 16 to 18. The passage actually flows a lot better. It almost seems like verse 17 was an afterthought that was just kind of wedged in, right? But it's there for a purpose and. Uh, Matthew says three times, there's 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 generations from David to the exile, and 14 generations from the exile to the Christ. Um, And that word, or or number, but the word, is very significant. And there's a reason he did that, because he's writing to Jewish people, right? Jewish people would understand, even though this is written in Greek, they would understand the importance of of words and numbers because of Hebrew numerology and the culture that they grew they grew up in. So Hebrew um, doesn't use numbers in their writings. They use letters that have numerical values. So what that means is that numbers spell words and words have numerical value. So the number 14, the word that makes up the number 14, and vice versa, the word that has a numerical value of 14 is actually a proper name. Uh, it's Dalit Vav Dalit, which also has vowel you know, indicators or whatever, um, which has values of 4, 6, 4, which adds up to 14, which Dalit Vav Dalit is David, David. And so Matthew says three times in one verse, as he ends the genealogy, three times he says, David, David, David. He doesn't say David, he says 14, which makes a Jewish person go, David. Or think of David. And then he says that three times. And then he says Christ. And he says Christ three times through the passage. He begins, and then at the end twice he says Christ. Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Christ. Jesus Christ. And so he's tying these two things together, saying the son of David, because you see it in the genealogy, and then he's yelling it. David, David, David. But then he's also saying Christ. And he's saying son of David, son of David, son of David. Christ, Christ, Christ. This is who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. He's the son of David. He's the Christ. Now let's get into his story, right? You use something like that as you're teaching and as you're, you know, preaching or whatever. And people understand the Bible in a deeper way, right? Than if you just get up and say, this is what it says. This is what it means. This is what you should do. That's the essence of preaching and teaching. Um, you have to make it to where it's memorable, mm-hmm. right? Like I said, that's kind of a tangent, but you brought that up, so I wanted to, yeah, to say absolutely. that's an important thing. In as a young minister, you know, you're talking uh, about persevering, but for a young minister, like learn to teach well. Mm-hmm. For sure, know? for sure. All right, guys. Well, that is um, our extended episode. It was only supposed to be about thirty minutes, but uh, it's run for about an hour now. But a uh, lot of good nuggets uh, from Matt in his. Um, 
tenure as a pastor. Uh, how old were you when you started ministry? 21? Um, a little younger. I was 19 or 20 um, when I did my internship at Crossroads um, here in Harrison. Um, and that was while I was in Bible college. Graduated Bible college 2013, so I would have been 23 at that point. Um, been like on staff in ministry like I said, between internships and um, on staff since then. So almost about, 10 years. About 10 years. Yeah. So uh, a lot of good nuggets from about 10 years of experience, which is seven more than I have. <laughs> uh, and so um, hopefully you guys learned something from today because that's, that's the point of the movement podcast is to learn something. Whereas, you know, the other two podcasts that we do on our network are kind of, you know, more for fun. Uh uh, but this one is this one's a serious one. This is one that we we hope to um, to spur people on in righteousness and, and you know studying scripture and becoming more like Jesus because ultimately that's that's our goal in life is is to be more like Jesus because you know if, if we're striving to be a better version of ourselves then we're never going to get there uh, and so uh, just real quick I'm going to run through these seven one more time for you and I will link them in the description so that you can. Um, write these down and then uh, if you guys have anything that you'd like to add to it feel free to shoot us an email um, or find us on social media at JRB Studios on pretty much everything um, but real quick number one was remember Jesus is worthy know that Jesus understands throw off hindrances and sins stick together with your team pace yourself fix your eyes on Jesus and keep your perspective eternal guys thanks so much for tuning in thank you so much for listening if you've made it this far um then you've learned a lot today because just sitting down here it, i mean it was my list of seven things and i'm walking away with uh, new knowledge so i uh, hope you guys can do the same and we'll see you in the next one